I did a study a while back and took I, one of my favorite ways to study, and one way I like to do it is look up the word faith. Uh, every time the word faith, faithfulness, faithful, whatever occurs in the Bible, and then I print out all those verses that may entail, and sometimes it's hundreds of verses with the word faith or faithful, and, and then I go and read them and then categorize them because they do have relationship to each other. And, it, and they basically come up with a teaching. In other words, every verse in the Bible on faith teaches you something. And that's, uh, you know, not only is that the first mention, last mention, but it's also the comparative mention, which is a good way of interpreting Scripture. And so we look at that, and that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm not sure I'll get it all done tonight, because it was really quite a, quite a large topic. Uh, it took a while to do, so I don't think I'll be able to get it all done, but I may be able to. Uh, and I just came up with, with some observations, as I put here, some biblical observations about faith. Oh, I'm over here. I'm always looking at this one. Hopefully you folks on uh, live stream, if you have any trouble seeing or if the tape's not good or sound's not good, we want to know about it. On your comments, just go there and comment about it. Use Dale's name personally. Uh, and just say, Dale, do this, Dale, do that, and we'll make sure it happens. We're doing the best we can. We're going to improve our. We're going to improve our whole system by getting a new camera. We're going to get a new camera, a much better camera, and be able to. You, you'll enjoy it better. It's going to be more easily used by those folks in the back there. So let me go over a few of these observations tonight and help us out on the subject of faith. No faith is characteristic of the lost. That's one observation I saw right away. Deuteronomy 32:20, and he said, "I will hide my face from them. I will." See what their end shall be, for they are very forward. Or that's, that word "forward" is a, is a, also mean perverse, twisted generation. Children in whom is no faith. Now that's what you do not want to be with God. What God's going to do with us is He's going to create situations that will scare you. Situations that are going to scare you. And it'll drive you to faith. That's where he wants you to go. Right now, Sandy lost her husband. It's a scary, it'd be a scary deal to lose your mate. Sometimes I try to visualize what would it be like if Kathy died? I mean, who would do this and where would this and you know, blah 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 blah. I try to tell her, write everything down so I know what I'm supposed to do. You know, otherwise I'll be there, what in the world if so uh, all that embezzled money you did? Show me where it's at. Because I want it. And uh, what a horrible testimony this is. In children, there's no faith. People with no faith. There are people like that. They have no faith. No faith in God. No faith in supernatural. No faith in the Bible. No faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew 17, 17, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Of course, this is, I believe, a demoniac that the disciples didn't do too well at casting out, didn't have the faith, or it could have been the deaf and dumb kid. Either one, it was had to do with spirits. O faithless. Now, he referred to his disciples that way on a fairly regular basis. 
that they were faithless or had very little faith. Well, I feel a little better because I feel like I'm in high cotton. You know, I'm pretty good company if I'm with uh, Peter, James, and John who were with Jesus, studied with Jesus, listened to the Beatitudes, listened to his teaching, saw him every day for about three and three and a half years, and they struggled to have faith. They struggled. Now, I realize that it wasn't quite the time where they were indwelt with the Holy Spirit yet. That came in the book of Acts. The church was uh, set up, and the Holy Spirit was given as a, you know, Christ breathed on them in John and said, be you filled with the Holy Spirit. But up to that point, it was more like the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would come on someone and help them in an area, but didn't necessarily take up his abode forever. Like we have this privilege now as born-again Christians in the New Testament, John chapter 14, I think it's verse 16, that the Holy Spirit will never leave you. And boy, I thank God that he has put the Holy of Holies in me, the throne of God in me through the Holy Spirit. And he's put him in you as born-again believer. That wasn't the trumpet, because I'm still standing here. I just hope that wasn't my phone. Thomas, remember him? I think somebody just had a baby and named him Thomas, didn't they? Did uh, uh, did not Corey Phillips just have a baby? But it was a girl. I think it was going to be a boy. It was going to be Thomas. Or somebody did have a boy named Thomas. Somebody had one. Well, anyway, but they were going to name their kid Thomas. I told my wife when we hung up. I wouldn't. I mean, no offense, man. I do not hold anything against Thomas. But. Theologically, he's known as Doubting Thomas. And most of you probably refer to him as Doubting Thomas. Really, he didn't doubt anything more than the rest of the disciples, the rest of the apostles. He just wanted to see what they saw. And Jesus really nailed it. Put your hand in the holes in my hand and put your thrust in them in your side. Be not faithless, but believing. Well, there it is right there. Reach into thy hand, thrust in thy side. Be not faithless, but believing. That's, that's the injunction. For you and for me, as things go, as things would happen, God's will for you and I is not to be faithless, but believing, trusting. And so we have uh, another one here, the disciples, Matthew 8, 26, and he said unto them, saith unto them, Why are you why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? So we have faithless generated, we have faithless, uh, he said, Don't be faith, be faith, don't be faithless, but believing. Then he calls them, O ye of little faith. Then they arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. I'm, I, I, I mean, they were saved. A lot of them were fishermen. A few of them were fishermen. They'd been out on the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is like in a valley. The wind will come down from the north, sweep from north to south, and the waves, it's a very deep lake. The waves will get huge and, and kill you. They knew, the, they knew how, and when the winds and the waves began to come, they knew this was, they were in peril. He wake him up out of a sleep and said, well, Master, don't you care that we perish? They panic. He says, oh, you have a little faith. Basically, don't you know who I am? They still didn't get it. And so once in a while, we're kind of like that, right? We still don't get it. That he does know the hair on your head, and he does notice the sparrow that falls. He really does care. We we just don't let it get inside that God really does care for you. The, the, everything's going on in your life. Everything. He cares about it. 
You're not being thrown out into outer darkness. You okay, brother? Okay. I'm not very good at CPR. But we're glad you lived through all that. Peter. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, where dost thou, what is, what is thou doubt? Of course, you know he's sinking. Why did that? So I don't know. I think I would have felt like Peter. I mean, you know, when you look around and see the wind and see the waves, and here's what. <clears throat> I wouldn't be too hard on these folks. In reference to the feeding of 5,000, Matthew 16, 18, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. And they were saying, how's this going to happen? I mean, how are we going to feed this group? Remember what he did on each one of these. He brought them to an impossible situation, humanly speaking. And he says, how are you going to react? You know who I am. He said, What's, oh, we're going to die. Save me, Lord, I'm sinking, you know, and all these other things. And it's put in the New Testament for you and for me to encourage us. We got one other one here. Reference to the demonical or demon-possessed boy they could not cast out, Matthew 17, 20. Because of your, why couldn't we cast him out? Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, that if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, and that is so small, that's like a grain of sand, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence, so you blood on your place, it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I'll clarify that in another message I do here pretty soon on prayer. Nothing that's in the will of God. I do not believe as the Pentecostals want to make this verse that we have the ability to command God. We are God's servants, and He has allowed us to have a prerogative of prayer and to move Him to do things. But it's, and I don't want to do this whole thing ahead of time, but in 1 John chapter 5, it says, If we shall ask anything according to His will. So answered prayer has to do with the will of God. And just, otherwise, you could say, "I want a brand new, I want a brand new Harley, completely equipped with all the stuff and everything on it. And I don't have any doubt about it. And tomorrow morning, it ought to be better be sitting out there." Well, I'm just doing that for my own lusts, and that's not in the will of God. And he said, "No, you're going to have a Honda. Real disappointment." Faithlessness is a character characteristic of the lost but can be a reoccurring weakness of the saved also. So that's, that's, what we to, we, that's what I learned from that. Faith is no better than the object it's placed in also. That's the second thing we're going to talk about. Faith is no better than the object it is placed in. People say, faith, I've got faith, preacher. Faith in who? Faith in a God you made up? Faith in a God you created? Faith in a God you've imagined? Faith, faith in a Santa Claus? I hope you all know this. There is no Santa Claus. I remember the first time I was told that, I cried and cried and cried. How many cried when they heard they wanted a Santa Claus? Come on, it made it cough it up. Just because you have faith, faith is not the is not the power. It's the object of the faith. That's the power. I can believe all I want to, and that there are little uh, that uh, there are little you know uh, 
what do they call them? I can't remember what they call them now. These little, these little fairies. I've been to Disney enough. What do they call them? Those little, uh, these little fairies, right? There's little fairies out there, and these like Tinkerbell really exists. I can believe that all I want. I saw it on the screen, but it's not going to happen. Didn't happen. The object is not right. It's false object. But when you put your faith in God, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's powerful. Because it's who the faith goes to. The object of your faith. Faith is, is winning. Uh, faith in winning a lottery is vain and carnal. Consequently, no matter how much faith one has, unless it's will, in the will of God, forget it. And I quoted this. And I, by, by the way, I got ahead of myself a little bit. First John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we shall ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Well, I guess I'm not doing that later. I'm doing it now. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Do you know as much as God? So if you're praying in faith, and let's say you can command God, you may command God to do something wrong. Or you may command God to do something very harmful to yourself. But I trust God enough to know that he knows the beginning and the end and the future, and he cares about me. So when I pray, I say, if it's your will. Well, we prayed for Ben to live. Man, I prayed hard for Ben to live. Many of you prayed for Ben to live. But God said no. It wasn't the best. For him, I know. I know it wasn't the best for him. I mean, I, I say this with confidence. Five minutes in heaven... And you'd, you'd kick and scream and cry and everything if they sent you back. Don't send me back among those. I mean, they're nice people, but they ain't that nice. These people here are a lot nicer. So, so John 14, 14 says, If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Take it out of context. And it is taken out of context. Dangerous. Dangerous verse. Causes people very big disappointment and to quit Christianity. Pentecostal movement has done so much harm in getting up there and telling people, if you just have enough faith to believe, you'll have it. And then when they pray and it doesn't happen, they believe they failed because they always point back and say, evidently didn't have enough faith or it would have happened. It's a, it's a loop. It's a, it's a, it's a catch-22 circle. And then they're free. They're just like, well, you didn't have enough faith or you'd have got it. And then they get discouraged, want to quit God. Maybe God don't love me like he loves you, you know, and I'm just going on something else. I've met very discouraged people when God, when they, God didn't do that. But now this, if you say anything in my name, I will do it. Always with the parameter that it's in God's will. Because Scripture is, no Scripture is of any private or individual interpretation. It must be interpreted with, with the whole of the Bible. The Bible is one book written by one, the Holy Spirit, written by different men, of course, but one author, really, the Holy Spirit, with absolute unity of thought. And so when God says something in one place, it has to be blended with everything so it's the same. I used to go to, every, you ever work your mom and dad? I'd go to my mom, and she'd be soft in one area, so I'd go to her. My dad would be hard in that area, so I'd stay away from him. But you know what? At night, they got together. I said, Billy's trying to get this. I told him he couldn't have that. Oh, broke my whole plan up. 
It's the whole. It's the God, God's will. If I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they may shall ask, it shall be done for them on my Father which is in heaven. Anything is anything according to the will of God. As we read in another place. So number three. Let me see if I can make sure I am on number three. Number three. Okay, here we go. One can increase their faith and should ask for it. And we need to do that. Because you can tell we can be faithless. Disciples can be faithless. They struggle. Luke 17, 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. That's a good way to pray. People say all the time, how do I pray? There you go. What do I pray for? Here you go. Increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. Now, when I say, when, when you begin to pray, increase your faith. Things are going to come along to stretch you and to challenge you and to scare you. And then you're going to have a chance to increase your faith. Yeah. Remember when the quartet asked Jeff, Jeff had told me one time his dream of life would be in a quartet. I wouldn't have known it. His dream of life was one to be in a quartet someday. And he was already old at that time, and I figured he was over the hill shot. It would never happen. Right? I think you maybe even thought that. And all of a sudden, this guy, this Terry Snow comes along. Quartet comes along. He says, hey, Jeffrey, I'll double your money. What they're paying you down there, give you a better position, better company. Would you come sing for us? And Jeff says, yes, I will. So, I mean, no. but anyway, they had him singing the quartet. I mean, it stretched him. He asked me, he wondered, I bet you wondered whether you were going to be able at your age to memorize all those songs. Yeah, how many songs do you say you know now? 125 songs. So for the next 125 Wednesday nights, Jeffrey's going to sing one of them. Amen? 125 songs, brother. That's a lot. You've you sung in groups. You know, you've got to memorize those words and know what you're doing. It's, no, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, but it's by faith. God says, yes, and you go ahead and do it. Asa. <clears throat> this is often quoted when it comes to faith. 2 Chronicles 16, 12, and Asa in the 30th and 9th year of his reign was died disease in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. I wonder if he had the gout. Yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord, not to the Lord, but to the physicians. I've gone over that over and over and over. And I said, Lord, I do not want to make the mistake that Asa made. I, I don't want pills to be my Savior. I want you to be my Savior. Uh, and I don't think, I think it's been perverted and taught pervertedly, especially over TV and the Internet. <clears throat> as an anti-medicine thing. But when Isaiah went in to heal Hezekiah, he put figs on his wound. Remember I preached on that a while back? He put figs on his wound. Medicine. Put medicine on his boil, which he was dying from, which just earlier than that, he said, you're going to die from this. It's not You're not going to live. You're not going to get up. And, you know, Hezekiah prayed. God had mercy on him. Brought him up out of his bed. But it's interesting to me that God used figs, a form of medicine, by the way, I believe they're an astringent. Put it on his uh, boil. And you remember that black stuff they called it prid? Man, do I have a memory tonight. 
crid. It was black tar. It came in a deal about that big. And we used to get a lot of uh, thorns. For some reason, get stickers and thorns in us as a kid. And I'd come to my mom, oh, I got this piece of wood in me. And she'd put that prid on it. It was like black tar. And in the morning, that thing would be out. It'd bring it. She says, that'll bring that right out. I have no idea. That probably stuff causes cancer and every kind of thing. But it, it sure did get rid of the, uh, well, it was kind of like those figs. The fig stuff, he put it on there. But who healed Hezekiah? God did. You want to argue how? I don't. I don't care how he did it. <clears throat> Doctors are used, no doubt about it, help people to pull back some suffering. And, it, and in some cases, but I love the physician that told me he was a surgeon, a born-again surgeon. He told me, I can't heal anybody. He says, if I can cut you, <clears throat> I can move stuff around. And he said, I can take it out. But I can't even heal the cut that I made. I can't make those two pieces of flesh grow back together. And if God doesn't do that, everybody I cut will die. I love this whole, this whole perspective on it. God gave him some prerogative to cut and to move, but it was really in his, in his mind. By the way, he was a brain surgeon. Yeah, he, he took my dad's, my dad had a big old, big old tumor on his brain about the size of my hand almost. And he lived five years after that brain surgery and did not die of that. He died of acute leukemia, something else. But he did not die. That guy successfully took that out and, and he's really, God and, the, God and the doctor worked together for good. So number four. And I won't use some other examples. Uh, but I don't think we should be anxious. I, don't, I think we should trust God. I believe you can do it. You know what tithing's about? It's about trusting God. That's all tithing. Does God really need our money? No. You know He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills too. Why did God institute the thing called tithing? We instituted it so you would believe. How do you live on 90%? I've had people come tell me, how in the world can you live on 90% of your income? I said, I have no idea. But I tell you one thing, I have. I mean, we're talking about when I was doing mac and cheese at 19 cents a box, I was still tithing. When I owed three months on my truck, behind three months on my truck, I still tithe. And I figured, look, God's going to let that truck get repossessed. He's going to let it get repossessed, but I'm going to tithe. Why? I understood tithing was about faith. And I understood faith was about pleasing God. It wasn't about the money. It was because, you know what, tithing is it's a percentage. It's not how much I ever gave, because I only made 100 bucks a week sometimes. I gave $10. It wasn't about the money. It was about the 10%. Would I do it? My wife struggled in that area, and she was newly saved when I got married. And so she said, we can't give that this week. We just can't give it. We don't have food to eat in the house. I said, and of course, you know, I tell the story about beating my fists on the table and saying, and we'll starve to death before I quit tithing. It was an area of faith that God was building in me so I could trust him for bigger stuff down the road. By the way, we never starved to death. And God always supplied every need. He may let you, he may he will let you go hungry. Which from looking around here won't hurt you. So 
Stephen, one can become full of faith. Stephen, full of faith and power. But did great wonders and miracles among the people. Barnabas was full, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added to the Lord. Look at that, man. I want God to be able to say something like that about me. Number five, God's people love to see real faith in action. Who doesn't like to see real faith in action? It's wonderful to look at. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken throughout the whole world. Their faith helped other people have faith. And that's what God's doing in you. Your faith is not just for you. It's so you can help other people. When they see how you react, they see how you trust God, they see how you don't panic. You know, you just trust Him one day at a time. Sweet Jesus. Ephesians 1.15, wherefore I, I also, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, referring to your faith there, Colossians 2, 5, for though I have been absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying, beholding your order, steadfastness of your faith. So you have such a thing as you have such a thing as your faith. People enjoy and appreciate when you exercise faith. It's not just all talk, it's walk. You've heard this said over and over by me. Your walk talks louder than your talk talks, right? Somebody say amen. Okay. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not on the Macedonian and Achaia, also in every place, your faith toward God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. In other words, it, your faith helps other people. It's not just for you. God's putting you through whatever he's putting you through so that you'll trust him. And that trusting faith that you're having is going to encourage other people when they go through their trouble to also trust and not fall apart. And, uh, and, and you know, completely collapse under the load. First Thessalonians 3, 7, Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all your affliction and distress. And Thessalonian Christians sure did go through some distress. And what was that? Distress, what were they encouraged by? By was encouraged by your faith. And then one more. Second Thessalonians 1, 3, We are bound... We thank God always for you, brethren, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. So can faith grow? Yeah. Can it grow a lot? Yeah. And that the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. A church that loves God and is exercising faith in him should be known by their love. This shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You love one another. There's no room for petty bitterness. There's just no room for it. You've got to forgive everybody in every direction. However you've been offended, don't make any difference. Just let it go. Let God take over and just give it to Him and go around a sing with a song in your heart, a trust in God one day at a time. Because uh, if you don't, you're going to get bitter, and that bitterness will not punish the one you're bitter at, but it'll punish you who are bitter. That's the crazy part about that whole thing. I've heard people say, I hate that person. I hate everything about him. I thought to myself, you're the ones getting punished. They don't even know you don't like them. I think I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop there at number 
6. Faith has been a great stumbling stone for millions. We'll pick that up next week and uh, go on from there. I want to give you some time to pray tonight and go over these requests. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the subject of faith. Thank you for the Bible and its teachings. Uh, give us grace and wisdom from above. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.